It's time for Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Ken is a nationally syndicated automotive journalist and photographer who has been in and around the industry for over 30 years. So tune in for your fill of automotive information and entertainment with your automotive ringmaster, Ken Chester. Welcome to Roadworthy Drive, America's premier mobility news and technology talk show. I'm your host for the hour, Ken Chester. So glad you could join us. This hour, we'll be talking about used cars, what's available, what you should look for and avoid, and how to get them checked out. The information is true regardless of whether you purchase at a dealer or even a private sale. Despite all this advanced technology, there's still tried and true methods and common sense that you should be applying today. We'll talk about all of that during this hour, along with news tidbits from the parts bin, but first... If you want to add your voice to the conversation, here's how you do it. Call or text me on the Roadworthy Driveline, that number, 872-222-9793. Now, you don't have to wait for the show to air. That number is good anytime, 24-7. You can join the show live if you're watching us on YouTube during our behind-the-scenes segments. If email is your thing, then my address is simple. It's ken at roadworthydrive.net. Either way... I want to hear from you. I'm proud to say that the Roadworthy Drive crew is in studio this week and at full strength. At the controls is my good friend, resident curmudgeon and Roadworthy Drive executive producer. And that's Jack at mic number two. Our sweet, she's sassy, and she's our gamer girl. Excuse me, I mean young lady. Sasha holding it down on mic two. Howdy, my peoples. So you got two people on mic two then? I, no, just one, just you. Because you said Jack at Mike two. No, no, and no. Then, then I, I don't know. Is Jack <laughs> over there with you? Jack, are you over here with me? Uh, no, I'm at Mike one. <laughs> oh well, there you go. I stand corrected. Um, by the way, I yes, will sir. tell you this: I'm, I'm here today, and I really shouldn't be. Okay. Because I have what I call the dreaded summer cold. Ooh. Yeah. Jack is all stuffed up in the nose hole. Oh, yes. And it's just, I think it's a whole bunch of things right now. And Well, we're going to make sure you've got water because we'd hate if you get choked up on air. Uh, yeah, getting choked up on air is not going to work. Okay, no, Mr. No, no. Ch- no, okay, no, Mr. Chester, this week, what is in the part spin? You'll love this one. All right. I picked this one just for you. Oh, boy. Um, Turo Go will allow instant access to rental cars through its app. The Airbnb of cars is rolling out a new gadget that unlocks a car's doors so you don't have to meet its owners to get the keys. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Like I said, I had you in mind. Now, for those of you that may not know, uh, Turo is a company that allows peer-to-peer rental of private vehicles. Hold on. Yeah. Spell it for me. T U R O. That's what I thought. We could uh, just in my ear, it kind of sounded like you were talking about Toro. No, yes, Tur- yes that's what Tur- I was thinking. Toro. T U R O. Yes. Now they are a leader in the peer-to-peer vehicle rental uh, situation, and my biggest question on this subject is how long before somebody games the system? You know. I just nobody you know, nobody would actually do that, would they? Right. Um, now the idea they say 
is to make it even quicker for Turo users to find a nearby car and rent it immediately. And when I read that, it gave me shivers and not in a good way. So I need to get away from a certain location on a quickness in an untraceable vehicle. Um, well, first of all, you have to have the Turo app. Okay, got it. Second of all, uh, it is a device that Turo renters would have to have in the car. Correct. So you've got that. Um, currently, the way things work now is Turo users must meet the car's owner for in-person handover of the keys, which I don't know. If I'm renting my car to a total stranger, kind of uh-huh. be nice to know if it's – even though they've been vetted, obviously, right. on Turo. But still, well, we I kind of so. – no, that's a given. That, that happens automatically. Uh-huh. Um, I'd still kind of like to know who's going to be driving my car. But that's just me. I would, me. too. That's just me. But, you know, they said this new arrangement will speed up the process significantly. And they say it's a response uh, to customer feedback. Consum- their quote, consumers today want instant mobility at their fingertips. All I could think of is the bank robber. I'm sorry. I just did. <laughs> the well, old-fashioned bank robber. Really? Yeah. Yes. Turo app. I need a car. In a black with a black and white striped shirt. Hey, hey, hey. I need a car. Okay. Now. Are we Are we going to start talking about the Green Hornets car? Right. Uh, do we need theme music or something? Uh, no, I can't, I can't provide that. And by the way. Yes. If something were to go terribly wrong mm-hmm. in one of these handoffs, mm-hmm. who in the world is liable for it? That is a good question, sir. I mean, that would be the only thing that would scare me. I, I, I mean, right now, when they when they are, when our local police department is telling us, if we do anything on Craigslist or Facebook or something like that, and you're trying to sell a piece of property you have, you know, stereo, whatever you want to call it, they say, go to a public place to do this mm-hmm. or even come down to the police station. Right. But this is not so much a sale as vetted customers, vetted by Toro. Have access to the app and have access to the vehicle. What goes into their vetting? That I don't know. I didn't. I didn't get into all of that. But I, I know there is a process. It's not just a matter of download the app and you're good to go. Well, and, and I appreciate that. But again, I'm going to say the same thing. What is the vetting process? Again, I told you. Don't know. I mean, there is one. You're the That's journalist. It. it is, and you know what? Figure it out. Not part of my research. But let me throw this at you. All right. of available cars under service now already offer a one-hour rental lead time, the quickest time the app offers. Okay. 15% of the cars already have some sort of remote access functionality for renters. Well, well, that just eliminated your bank robber. Mm, Perhaps. Perhaps. Um, But here's the thing that scares me that I'm not really with. Now – well, let me back up. Let me let me talk a little bit more about um, this functionality does give the the owner some information. They say that another company, Zipcar, and I saw that in Boston, has a similar system in its fleet of rental cars already, which I didn't know. Now, this in addition, this device will let the owner log the mileage covered by the guests as well as view view data on fuel levels or even maintenance requests. In other words, the owners can keep tabs on their vehicle without necessarily having to see it in person. Okay, now, another question. Yes. Is this like a normal rental car where they tell you bring the car back full? I don't know. Again, because it's peer-to-peer. 
as opposed to a rental agency, which would charge you okay. astronomical amounts so of money. So things I see is common sense here. Um, somebody's throwing out the rules then? No. Let's let's not get confused. Okay. All right. This story is about this new device. Right. And that is what I looked into. We've okay. talked about Toro before. We know they're one of the leaders in this space, and this is only going to happen more. Okay. Now, the part that bothers me is quotes like this. Turo says, this makes sense uh, because many vehicle owners, hosts in Turo's terminology, are too busy to meet up with every renter. How often are you renting your car? Well, but again, you've also said on this program before that you're going to have your car can be working eight to five, too. It could, depending on what I set. Now, I may not want it. I may not want to make it that available. Right. But here's here's something else that you didn't know. All right. Um, they're going to begin offering this in-car device to its registered car owners in the fall in select cities on a trial basis. So this is not rolled out all over the place immediately. That's number one. Okay. Number two, long term. Turo wants to get that functionality built into cars. Guess who happens to be a Turo investor? Google? No. Who? Mercedes-Benz. And their point, um, they said they are developing remote Turo connectivity for new Mercedes cars. The goal is to make future vehicles Turo-ready. From the day they're delivered to owners, which means the day that you take delivery of your brand new car, you could theoretically rent it out. I don't know if I like that. I don't think. Number one, I am not going to let somebody rent my car. And, I mean, it's, it's just the way that I am. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, this is a thing where if you've got a vehicle, it's a way to kind of uh, balance the cost of the vehicle and operation of the vehicle Without you having to spend additional money, actually, to lower the cost of operation. Well, and and that makes sense to me. You know, I mean, you get to set all the rules when you want to rent it, how you want to rent it, how much you want to get for it. All that is set by you. And it's not set by Toro? No. You know, and if a person is willing to pay all that, then they get to do that. Coming up, the state of the used car market. You're riding shotgun with Ken and Roadworthy Drive. Want more than your share of the road? Be sure to check out Roadworthy Drive on Facebook. Western Flyer bike is on sale at Western Auto. 12-speed and 10-speed racers, flashy high-rise buzz bikes, even our action-packed DMX and mag wheel bikes. Don't let this sale pass you by. Every Western Flyer bike is on sale now at Western Auto. If you're just joining us, you're tuned to Roadworthy Drive with me, Ken Chester, your host. I forgot Western Auto sold bikes. Yes, and tires and all kinds of cool stuff. Oh, yeah. 
In fact, didn't they sell little wagons too? They sold back little in the wagons. Day? And the, the thing I remember the most about Western Auto was I had to help a friend one time put an engine in. Uh-huh. And there was a brand new remand. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a new engine. It was a remand Manufactured, engine. Manufactured, sure. Um, engine. And went in the car. They loaded it for us. We got it back there, got it off with the lift, put it in the car. That engine did him did him really well. I miss Western Auto. It was my go-to store back in the day. Well, yeah, but now you got advanced auto parts. And... I still miss Western Auto. Yeah, I, I yeah, for a I'm, lot of different. Reasons. I I miss the old stores. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I bought tires there. I love my Western Auto tires. Got a heck of a deal. There you go. Um, I'm Ken Chester, and this is Roadworthy Drive. I started to say now, this hour, we're going a little bit old school, as you could probably tell, and we're talking about used cars. Um, we're a few months from back to school, and that be that high school or college. Late summer is usually the time that mom and dad or a student looks to find or replace the car uh, and or reorganize the transportation situation at home. If you've got kids and some are just now becoming driving age or you're sending one off to college and which car you're going to get and, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of rejiggering stuff around, trying to figure it out. Now, I want to talk about what you should think about in terms of price, what's out there and what you can expect to pay for. And and for a lot of you that have been out there a while, this is more refresher course than anything. If this is your first go-round, then you're definitely going to want to listen up because I'm going to share with you uh, 40 years of my experience, both doing it myself as, as dad and, and father, uh, also as consultant. Uh, my first business was as an automobile purchase consultant where I did this for a living, helping people through the steps of buying cars, and uh, just my general um, being around the industry and just looking at cars and evaluating what's out there. So I got a lot of experience doing this. Yes, you have a lot of experience there. But even even for me, in the last couple of years, there's a lot of things that have changed. Oh, totally. You know, and I'm just going to throw this out completely off the subject. No one will be buying what I'm about to talk about. <laughs> okay. An Etzel, really, Jack? No, no, not, <laughs> no, not, not an Etzel. Um, one of the more expensive dealers in town. Mm-hmm. has a 2015 mm-hmm. Cadillac Escalade ESV. Okay. 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 60 or 80 some uh, either 69 or 80,000 dollar vehicle. Mm-hmm. Right now. Mm-hmm. Hold on. 2 years old. Mm-hmm. 100,000 miles. And how much are they asking for it? Someplace in the 60s, I think. You're kidding. I may have that confused, Ken. I'm, Yikes. I, yeah. Uh, brother, but, even at 40, that'd be a lot of money. Well, yeah. But, but, but again, that's how much is changing. Most of the dealers don't want anything over 70000 Well, let's lot. talk about that. If you go back 25, 30 years, that would be true. But today, the auto industry in America, regardless of what you buy, has tremendously improved the quality of vehicles. I mean, to the point where... When I was coming up in the 70s, if you had a vehicle that was 80,000, 90,000 miles on it, you were rushing to the dealer to trade it because it was on its last legs. Today, it's easy to double that number and still have a drivable vehicle. Uh, my wife's vehicle, for example, that we traded about six months ago, mm-hmm. it was closing in on 200,000 miles. Mm-hmm. It wasn't aging well, but it had been hit a couple of times. Yeah, but yet it had about one hundred and ninety-six thousand miles and was still drivable. It was driven to the dealer the day we traded it. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't towed. Um, I don't think they resold it, but it was drivable. You know, 
So you're getting basically double the mileage. It is not unheard of nowadays for people to get 200, 250, in some cases, 300,000 miles out of a vehicle if it's taken well care of. Now, me, I'm a little old school, a little rule of thumb. Um, for me, if you're looking for a used vehicle, it really depends on what you want to spend. And right now, I'm honestly not talking about vehicles up to four to five years old because there's a lot of advantages with those vehicles. There's usually unexpired warranty um, from the factory. Um, a lot of these warranties now are five, six years, 70 to 100,000 miles uh, on the powertrain. So you're not even going to get burned there. With stainless steel um, exhaust systems, four-wheel disc brakes, which last longer than the old drum brakes, spark plugs that back in my day, you were lucky to get 15,000 miles out of a set of spark plugs. Mm -hmm. Today, 100,000 miles, and because of computers, even when you pull them then, they don't look worn at all. And you may not even have to change them. Mm -hmm. So there's a, the quality of what's being built out there is a lot better. So if you're looking for something used, actually you try to get as new as you can for the money that is available. Now, here's a hint. If you're looking to get the best deal, you're probably looking at a car. Why? Because right now everybody's going gaga goo goo over SUVs, minivans, and uh, sport utilities and crossovers. That's where the demand is. It's a funny thing. The quality of cars have come up so much. They're actually pretty decent, but yet they're not getting the respect that they deserve. So the ability to buy a decent vehicle for way less money than even a couple of years ago is greater now than ever before. Particularly if you're looking for a kid, their first car, you're better off with a car. And I would not buy them a small car. I would buy them probably the next size up, maybe like a Ford Fusion or a Chevy Malibu or something like that. Reason being, a solid car, dependable car, and if they nudge something or dent something, it's not going to put them necessarily out of whack. Okay, Ken, I actually went to the – got to correct myself here. Mm -hmm. It was a 2016 Cadillac Escalade ESV. Okay. 44492 bucks. Okay. With 100,000 miles on it? 100,834 miles. Yikes. Oh, wow. And you know the thing? Uh, it cost double that new. I know it did. And the thing is, it'll probably sell because, again, just like I was saying, with the improved quality all the way around, 100,000 miles is not necessarily something to be scared of. You and I don't agree on extended warranties at all. No. But is it possible at 100,000 miles? Because I know that most people, that most dealers don't do, or the most manufacturers, thank you, don't do 100,000 miles. They go up no. to 100,000 miles, yeah. not over. Yeah. Really, it really depends. If you're going to be driving it a lot and the vehicle's in otherwise good shape and you can own it for a good price and the warranty, what you've got to be careful of is what the warranty covers. And you've got to read the fine print. It could be in a situation like that if they offer it to you. If they offer it in a case like this Escalade, it's because of its because of its age, it's fairly new. Yeah, it so is you might new. You may be able to get that. But on an older car, you may not necessarily be able to get anything that's worth getting. Yep. So it's down to buyer beware as usual. But I'm saying mid-sized car, preferably American because of parts, service, and price. When we come back, um, the test drive, taking notes and comparisons. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is heard exclusively on the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Road 
Roadworthy Drive. Like us on Facebook. to the third segment of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. So glad you tuned in. I'm your host, Ken Chester. Now, for those of you that need more than your fair share of the road, check out the show website, and that's roadworthydrive.com. Find audio clips of past shows, video clips of our behind-the-scenes antics in studio, and more. The website is also a great place to discover our goings-on in the universe of social media. For those of you on Facebook and Twitter... Sasha's created a social media-only special feature that started just last week. Tell us about it, Sasha. Well, um, as many of you know, Ken actually gets cars delivered to him every week. To review. To review. Not to keep. (laughs) Sasha. That's important. Yes. 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 Although I wanted to keep this week's. Uh, Sasha. Yes. Can you say felony? (laughs) I can say, but it's cute, though. Okay. Anyway. So I decided to sneak off with the vehicle for about 10 minutes and basically give you, the fans on our Facebook, a up-close review of what Ken happens to be driving this week. We are calling it Wheels of Non-Consent. Literally. Literally. Mm. I Bring it back. <laughs> I didn't want to this week. Mm-hmm. Last week, um, I started out... With a vehicle, and you should really check it out. But this week has to be my new fave. Uh-huh. Um, really, really liked it. Uh huh. And to find out exactly what Sasha managed to pry from my cold hands, <laughs> be sure to check it out on Facebook. I believe she got it out there now. Yes, Sasha? it actually is out there now. Um, you want to go to the Roadworthy Drive on Facebook, and be sure to like us. Yes, we you want, want it, you so like that us. way you get notifications when I do the Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. And if I can get enough of you on there, we can actually answer questions right there while I'm in the vehicle. God forbid. It'll be fun. Yeah, one of the important things, bring the vehicle back. I mean, if someone wants an up-close review of it. And not that kind of up-close. <laughs> don't, any- don't make me jump in here, people. Yeah. <laughs> but, Dad. Right? Don't give me my car back. Go to your room. Uh, <laughs> anyway. It's a fun time, everybody, and we're doing it just for you. Those of you who follow us on social media, this is a social media, Facebook and Twitter only um, presentation that we're doing as a little something extra, a little something, something. So you want to check it out. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, during the course of this hour, we've been talking about used cars, selection, affordability, and considerations. For this segment, I want to talk about the text drive, what to look for. Why you should take notes and why you should be using all of your senses when evaluating a vehicle for purchase. Now, that sounds like common sense, but, you know, sometimes when you're there and you're enjoying the shiny metal, it's hard to keep your wits about you when you haven't owned a new car or a newer car for a while. Amen, brother. And, and everything rides good. Here's, yes. Here's, here's a fact. Even if you know what it is you want to drive, what you want to buy— Drive at least one competitor's vehicle. Here's why. If you've been out of the market five, six, ten years, I don't care what you test drive. It's going to be fantabulous compared to what you're driving now. That's not a comparison. You don't know what's available out there unless you drive 
something else in that same category. Like if you're driving a half-ton pickup truck of one brand, you might try a half-ton pickup truck of another brand. Why? So you can see the differences and actually get calibrated in terms of what's available out there for your given money and for the given model year or what particular features you're looking for. And that's important. Same thing with cars. Cars have gotten so much better. And the technology will scare a lot of you if you haven't bought a car in that time frame. At the very least, it may um, be a bit overwhelming at first, but hence you take notes. Um, it's hard to say nowadays with the multitude of different cars, manufacturers out there, depending on whether you're tall or short, big or small, what fits for you. You can't make the assumption based on the size of the vehicle. That's, also, that's very true. So the thing is, um, I know, again, my wife, uh, we bought her a new crossover at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And because she's a short gal, uh, the big thing for her was did she fit? She, she, could she get into the vehicle okay? Was she comfortable? Could she reach the pedals? Uh, and that was the main test for us. And I listed out a list of about eight to nine vehicles. We got it down to the top three. Mm -hmm. you know, And then we drove them. And she ended up with the one that she loves now. But the key was what you think will work doesn't necessarily end up being the one that does. That's, yes, especially with if you're going to be getting in and out and if you've got family or kids, take them, them with, with you. you. Yep. Absolutely. Can't stress that enough. If you're going to be, if you're going to be hauling family on a regular basis, whatever it is, take them with you because that's when you find out if it's going to work for you. Okay, Ken. Some of the dealers around here have been saying, oh, yes, we can get you out of here in an hour or less. Okay. let's. And, and the thing is, though, mm -hmm. one of the things I had to learn over time was I could take an hour and a half to two hours just going through a vehicle. Here's the thing. There is a certain amount of prep work that you should not expect to be doing when you get there. For example, let's, let's keep this simple. How much you want to spend? And not a monthly payment, by the way. How much in hard money? Because the quickest way to not get a good deal is to walk up there and say, I've got X amount a month. Yep. They will bury you to your eyeballs, and you deserve it. Yep. Let me say that again. You deserve it. They're in the business to make money, people. Can't take that from them. If you haven't done your due diligence in, okay, I want to borrow X amount of money. I'm going to trade in a vehicle. I've looked it up. I've called my credit union, whatever. They say it's worth this much. I want my monthly payment basically on the money that's left over. It's going to be this, and I'm willing to pay it for two years, three years, four years. Here's the key. The older the car is, the less time a financial company is going to give you to pay for it. Mm -hmm. So if you're thinking you're going to buy a 10-year-old car and get five years to pay for it, no. <laughs> brain, uh, brain flash, no. Uh, typically what you can expect is if you're looking at a vehicle older than five years old, maybe five to ten years old, depending on mileage, depending on condition, depending on what it is, you might get anywhere from three to four years payment. So that would be a rule of thumb. Again, you need to be out there looking. What does, for the money that you're willing to spend, what's out there at that price or near that price? You know, And you could be a couple thousand either way because there's always negotiation, et cetera. But you need to do the research. First step. What do you want to spend in total money? Second of all, what do you want your monthly payment to be? That's not something that you walk in to tell them. That's something that you figure out if it's going to fit in your budget. 
That's important. Third of all, most important, talk to your insurance agent to figure out if you've got it down to the top three, what's this thing going to cost to insure? Because if one of them is going to be way out of whack, that might blow your budget. Because people forget about the cost of ownership. Buying the vehicle is only part of it. Keeping the vehicle running is the most important part. That's tires and fluids and battery and other radiator and, and all this other stuff. That is required even in today's advanced vehicle mm-hmm. to keep it running. And if you're getting into a vehicle that has is very high maintenance to take care of, like, say, a European vehicle, you've never owned one before. I was just going to bring uh, that up. You're going to be spending way more money than you think you can. Last up, final exam and money well spent. This is Roadworthy Drive. to roadworthydrive.com to check out Ken's blog, listen to past shows, and the times when you can see the show on Facebook Live. This is the fourth and last part of this hour of Roadworthy Drive. I'm Ken Chester. So are you thinking about buying that used car, truck, or minivan? Have you heard the show so far? If you've missed part of this hour, not to worry. You can hear it again on the show website. Go to roadworthydrive.net and click the listen link, and it will direct you to a particular show. If you're truly mobile, you can actually find us on Google Play. Listen to my pointers as you walk the car lot. Now, we were talking about, towards the end of the last installment, uh, what you needed to look for in a car. We were talking on prices. Sasha wanted to add her two cents worth uh, relative to the cost of ownership. Well, not only that, but a lot of times when you're looking at used vehicles, people get caught up in the nameplate. You know, when you're looking at a bright and shiny BMW, Honda is another big one, Cadillac, uh, Mercedes-Benz. Toyota, yeah. Yeah, 300,000 miles is 300,000 miles. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I'm sorry, 13-year-old, 15-year-old vehicle is still 13-year-old, 15-year-old vehicle. Um, you're going to have issues. You know, recently I got a Pontiac thinking that it's not that big of a deal, and it was well taken care of. But you know what? Even something as simple as my oil change is costing me more money. Mm-hmm. Um, parts for this vehicle is costing me more money. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, relatively, quote-unquote, American as opposed to, you know... It was built in Doraville, Georgia. Right? Yeah. Right? Just saying. Just saying. Yeah. It was assembled. <laughs> no, actually, that one was built. Um, here's one thing to bear in mind. And we talk about cost of ownership. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, when they see the price of how to what it costs to buy the vehicle, yeah, that's only part of it. Yep. There's the cost of the loan. There's the cost of insurance. Yep. There's the cost of the parts, tires, brakes... Antifreeze, oil, filters, um, all of that stuff that also is required. And if it is a European car or if it is a luxury car, you have to follow uh, the maintenance schedule, schedule maintenance. Exactly. If you get away from it, these vehicles don't run well. And you don't know whether the person before you owned it and did as what was Well, it depends if you did your due diligence. If you're going to buy a vehicle like that, mm-hmm. then chances are you're going to ask for 
and probably records. get maintenance records. Yep. Typically, if you're looking at a used luxury vehicle, yep. typically for me, my rule of thumb, you buy them from the dealer that sold it new. Yep. Because chances are if they took it in trade, that's the place the person bought it. Or at the very least, they know the vehicle and can give you some background. Even if it wasn't bought there, they know that make that model and it can give you a general idea of what to expect. Well, and, you know, like right now, everybody's trying to make their last dollar last. last dollar last. And depending on how old the vehicle is, like my particular vehicle, it takes a certain kind of antifreeze. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes a certain kind of, not necessarily oil, but it takes a certain kind of other kind of fluid that goes in there. Transmission and, fluid. Yeah. Very and, picky. It is. And it tells you on thir- you know three different places underneath the hood. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to put in this much, mm-hmm. you know. And, oh, um, so in other words, let me get this. I can't just go to Walmart and grab any no. empty antifreeze no. or any transmission fluid. Nope. Well, let's also look at one other thing because my sister taught me this one. Mm-hmm. They bought a brand new Kia in 2003. Okay. First thing they did before they bought it, they uh-huh. had the dealer take the oil out and they put in synthetic. Okay. You don't. You, from that point forward, you put synthetic in that, or you're going to have nothing but engine trouble. Yep. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm, you remember it's 2003. Okay. Here, let, let's talk about that for a minute. Because you don't want to go T-O-O over and above what the manual says, because you might be trying to get fancy. And if the manual don't support it for the way that engine and transmission was engineered, you might actually be causing trouble. Yep. Okay. You want to exactly. be careful. I know. I know that when they when they got it, they drove it, and the thing had a knock in it. Brand new had a knock in it. They, <laughs> you know. They, you know what that's they, called? They put the synthetic, Warranty. They put that in. They put the synthetic in it, mm. and it ran like a dream the whole time they owned it. And they were lucky. If I if I had bought a new car, it had a knock. It's going right back to the dealer, and they're going to make me whole, even if they have to replace the engine. Yeah. And yeah, we don't take that chance because the oil might have, in fact, masked a problem on the flip side. So you want to be careful and not go T-O-O with certain things. But it's important, particularly if you're thinking about buying, like I keep saying, a luxury car or even nowadays a truck. I mean, a truck, everybody wants one. Yes. But it's extra cost because everything is supersized. Uh, Heavy-duty wheels, heavy-duty rims. Heavy-duty cooling system, heavy-duty electronic system, you know, heavy-duty un- running gear. Mm-hmm. With you know, all, and if it's all-wheel drive, even more parts. Okay, Ken. At this point, let me ask this question. Mm-hmm. I am one that if I was to go buy another vehicle right now, I would go for a certified warranty vehicle mm-hmm. from one of the ma- from one of the major three, or even maybe a foreign model. If I that's where right. I decided to go. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a good idea? Well, it is, but let's be honest for a minute. You're looking at a vehicle that's three to five years old. Correct. And that's great if you've got that kind of money. But if you don't and you have less to spend, then it really is not going to help you much. I mean, typically, the beautiful part about pre-owned is that, first of all, any vehicle for any manufacturers, cars or trucks that go into that program has to meet certain parameters, mileage, condition. They go through anywhere from 120 to 200 and some odd uh, inspection points. So the vehicle's gone over with a fine-tooth comb. Plus, with pre-owned, certified pre-owned, you also get an extended warranty from the manufacturer. Correct. 
and that's worth its weight in gold because it means it's good at any dealer of that make anywhere in the United States. So there's no worry about I got to take it to a dealer that that honors this warranty if it's an extra cost warranty. In the case of um, uh, certified pre-owned, that's a moot point. So it's it is a good idea. Uh, it's certainly not a bad idea, but again, it's an issue. If you're looking for a vehicle that's older than five years old, it's not going to help you. No, it won't. Because now, yeah, go ahead. Now, Ken, let's. One of the things you brought down here in the script was the burden of proof is on you. What did you mean by that? When you inspect, okay, private sale, or even if you go to like an independent used car lot. Okay. And I'm talking about a car that's probably closer to seven to ten years old. You're going to hear two words: as is. Correct. What that means is when you drive it off the lot, it's yours. If the engine falls out in, the, in front of the dealership, it's yours. It's your problem. As is means the burden is on you, the buyer, to check that vehicle out. You can do that. Carfax or some service like that is good for getting an idea if the vehicle's been in an accident or been stolen or how it's been serviced. How about a mechanic? About to get there. Uh, like I said, Carfax is a great first step. The second step is to take it to a trusted mechanic that you, that you know. $75 to $100, best money you'll ever spend in a front-to-back inspection of the vehicle. Well, I can talk about this subject at length for hours, but this hour is over. On behalf of the Roadworthy Drive crew, thanks for listening. This has been Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester. Roadworthy Drive with Ken Chester is a copyrighted presentation of the Roadworthy Drive Radio Network. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or any other use is prohibited without the written consent of the Motor News Media Corporation.